morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Today is May 11th, Tuesday, May 11th, and we are continuing to be in the Easter season, although we are very close to Ascension, which is one of my favorite days in the church year, because we know our Lord reigns on high at the right hand of our God, the Father. So today, but today we continue to study and resting in the hope of the resurrection with the inspired and true Word of God, and we put on our Christ goggles. And I think today's text and the next few chapters, you have to put on Christ goggles or else it can be very much so a downer. Because as we look today, we see Christ and we see him as our light and our salvation and his light shines on us. In First Kings chapter 12, Solomon is no longer with us. He's sleeping with his fathers, it says, and now his son takes over Rehoboam. And what will happen? Will he be like Will the apple far, 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 fall far from the tree, or will it be much the same? We'll find out today. The gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Thy Strong Word is generously underwritten by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you to them, and visit their website, lhfmissions.org, for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we have with us regular guest, Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO. Pastor Lekomsky, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Well, hey, Brady, I, I'm glad to hear you got your Christ goggles on. I'm assuming you also got your winter parka on as well. <laughs> we we yeah. just came back from your, your neck of the woods yesterday, and okay. every night it got down to freezing. So <laughs> Nice. Isn't it great? It really is nice. I tell you, I tell you no. what, this is, and you might not agree, but this is the best time to be in the state of Minnesota. It is absolutely beautiful. The grass is green, but the bugs aren't quite out. Yeah, see, this is the this is a dirty little secret, Pastor. Is that if it yeah. gets below 32, 31, all of a sudden a lot of those bugs die off for a little bit. People's allergies aren't nearly as bad, and everybody's able to frolic in freedom outdoors. So that's that's why we like this time of year, unlike you, evidently. <laughs> well, you know, we like it a little bit warmer. <laughs> you know, maybe 40. <laughs> sure, sure. Now, but I remind I, but knowing Spending summer in Minnesota, I can see what you mean about the bugs. At least yeah. you, don't, you don't get carried away by the mosquitoes this time of the year. Absolutely, <laughs> so, absolutely. Yeah. So, where do you where do you live part time of the year? You live in Minnesota. What town is it again? Northfield, Northfield, Minnesota. Northfield. Absolutely, Saint Saint Olaf's College and Carleton absolutely. College, and also the site of Jesse James' comeuppance. That's right. <laughs> he, That's right. He tried to rob a bank in Nor in in Minnesota. You don't rob people in Minnesota, Brady. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it didn't. It did not then, work out didn't. well. It did not work no. out well. Yeah. Uh, my sister yeah. is a Saint Olaf grad, and we would always eat at Hogan Brothers downtown Hogan sandwich Brothers. shop. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you been there? I have been. I have been. Yeah, yeah that's that's this one of the great. best places to go. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so I tell you what, that's what we'll do this summer. Uh, you live here for the summer, right, in Minnesota? Yep. Yeah, we'll be up okay. the uh, first part of June at the state. All yeah. right. So this summer we will meet at Hogan Brothers. And if anybody, listeners out there, are near Northfield, we'll try to coordinate it with our listeners as well. So, But we'll, we'll oh, make that sure that happens. Cool. When that it though, cool, yeah, Brady, it would be. Yeah, it it, it will be, KFL I should say. Party. Absolutely, absolutely. That's an excellent idea. Well, we are we are in First Kings chapter twelve, and as we well, this is fascinating transition as we look at First Kings. So, how about with this? Let's just start in prayer. Can you begin us in prayer, Pastor? 
Oh Lord, uh, this is these are these are sad, sad passages. We we have two men who who you had chosen, and yet they go horribly, horribly wrong. Uh, but help us to see what this has to say to us, because it's a very, very powerful warning, but also a very powerful uh, message of hope for us as well. So open our hearts and minds to see that this text in First Kings 12 is actually about our life going on right now, today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions for us this morning concerning our text, drop us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. And Pastor, we've been on a really good string here for about five days in a row. We've had questions, and so I'm excited to um, maybe receive some questions for you today. And as always, I always try to give them to you. Um, because you've done all the hard work and uh, and you're so wise. Retired wisdom is what we need today. What do you think? <laughs> it's a little early to be drinking, isn't it, Brady? <laughs> uh, anyways, so, so as we look at First Kings chapter 12, like I said, it's a transition. Solomon has passed away. It tells us that he is sleeping with the fathers. And now it's a new era, much like when David passed away and Solomon took over. But it's a whole different story as we go through it. So I want to ask you, um, what what are the things you want to highlight as we get to chapter 12? And how would you describe it? You said it in our prayer as well. How would you describe chapter 12 as we dig in today? What are your thoughts? All right. Well, as we talked about previously when, when uh, we've, we've done Kings, uh, my understanding is Kings is a book of tragedy. Uh, mm. In that, the people that are listening to the words that you and I are going to read, when they heard these words, they knew where all this was going to end because they've experienced it. Uh, the beautiful temple that you've been talking about the uh, last uh, few days, that temple is reduced to ashes. Uh, the powerful city of David, this great city of Jerusalem uh, that you've been reading about, it now is just, uh, you know, one block not even laying upon the other, just a pile of rubble. They themselves have been taken off into exile in Babylon. And of course, when tragedy falls us, we ask, well, why? Uh, and the author of Kings is saying, well, you know why? <laughs> it's because of idolatry. It's because you didn't trust in God. You didn't uh, uh, believe in his word. That, that's why. And, and now we're getting that. Now we're getting to that. Up to this point, things have actually been going rather good. But, but now we're going to be again to see that, that everything. And here's what's neat. You did First Kings 9. I know you did First Kings mm-hmm. 9. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and the Lord told us. The Lord said, you know, I'm going to take care of you. But if you turn aside from following me, you or your children, <laughs> and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, this house, he says, will become a heap of ruins. So right. everything that's happening here, well, actually, everything that happens here is, was prophesied in the last chapter he had, First Kings 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everything's happening just exactly what God told them was going to happen. But see, that's what, that's what puts the hope. That's what puts the hope in this chapter, even though it's a very, very sad chapter, because God also said in First Kings 8, he said, mm-hmm. uh, if they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you are angry with them and give them to the enemy, for they are carried away to be captive. Yet if they turn their heart in the land to which they've been held captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their captors, uh, if they repent with all their heart and with all their soul, uh, we pray to you that you will restore them. 
And that's the, in fact, it says, forgive your people who have sinned against you and all their transgressions that they have committed against you and grant them compassion in the sight of those who carried them captive and have compassion on them. That's 1 Kings 8. So that's mm-hmm. the thing. It's because of sin that we've got these problems, but but God forgives sin. That's what he wants to do. All you need to do is repent, turn to him, and he can take even the most horrible situation and turn around and make it to good. Um, so, so if I could throw one more passage in. Please. What we have here is what, what Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 10. Paul says, now these things happen to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. So, so that's what this is. This is a warning to us that, that we, we're all, as, as Solomon said, uh, there's no one who doesn't sin. And, and so we need to be aware that we, we can fall just like uh, Rehoboam and, and just like Jeroboam. But if we do, there is a Lord who wants to uh, uh, restore us. That's a great. That's a great overview of, of where we are, um, especially as we get into the num- next number of, of chapters, because it is that total story of so and so took over. So and so did evil in the sight of the Lord. So and so, well, left, and someone else took over in hopes that this would somehow be better. And that and that reminds us of the brokenness, the division. I mean, today's a today's a chapter of division. We see that final division that maybe was always there, but now becomes manifested in the in the um, the twelve tribes and. Uh, and it just reminds, I mean, it shows us our current world, right? There's division everywhere yeah. we look, that there's sin and brokenness everywhere we look, and especially in us. So last thoughts as we, before we dig in. Uh, well, Brady, actually, yeah, your, your, your comment there just, just uh, inspired me, because uh, <laughs> you're right. I, I don't think that I've ever experienced uh, in my uh, 68 years of time in our country when we are so bitterly Bitterly divided. You know, we've always right. had disagreements, but we could always kind of sit down and compromise and work it out. But now there seems to be just this bitter division where there is no willingness to, to compromise. Uh, and yeah, so that's it. So because of sin, because that's right. what we got to understand. It's not a political thing. It's not Republicans versus Democrats. No, it's it's the sin that God has warned us against all along. Absolutely. So let's let's dig in. The verses here are quite unique in how to uh, get to this point. But once again, um, we have Solomon has passed. Now Rehoboam, his son, is taking over. And so we'll see how this goes. We'll go verses one through five. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. And as soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, he was who for he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon. Then Jeroboam returned from Egypt. And they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. And he said to them, Go away for three days, then come again to me. So the people went away. Kind of, there's some unique fa- uh, uh, factors to this beginning of the story. What did you find in these verses? Well, of, of course, you have to know the chapter before. You have to know who Jeroboam is. That, that he is actually the man whom God, whom God Himself has said, "You're going to be the you're going to be the king over ten tribes." That's how it's mm-hmm. going to be. 
the problem is not only has Rehoboam uh, turned to idolatry, but sad to say, even his dad did. Isn't that mm-hmm. incredible? Here you've yeah. got this man, Solomon, who we consider one of the greatest kings Israel had. And yet by the end of his uh, career, his wives have led him to, to allow the, the worship and even encourage the worship of, of foreign gods. Um, so, so that's the one thing that everything that's happening here, God has said is going to happen. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, not that God wanted it to happen. You got to understand that when God tells us and prophesies the future, uh, it, it, it's not that that's what he wants. He's just saying, you know, I, I told you what happens when you sin and this will be the consequence. Of course, see, that's always the hope because then all we need to do is repent. That's all we need to do is repent because God can literally change his mind. You know, the Bible says that he's mm-hmm. just waiting for us to, to come to him and ask for his aid. Um, the other thing I think that is striking here is that they go to Shechem, because now now we're up in the northern uh, uh, kingdoms, uh, mm-hmm. the northern tribes. Uh, and that, I think, says a lot there, that there's already issues and problems. Otherwise, they would have done this coronation down in the city of David in, in Jerusalem. But I think Rehoboam already realizes there's got to be some tension here. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little later when we, when we get to Jeroboam. Because uh, as you alluded already, Brady, it's not like this is something out of nowhere. This has been brewing for a long time, this division right. between uh, the southern tribes and the northern tribes. So Rehoboam goes up and, and you would think... He's the new king of Israel. So this is the 12 tribes. Um, he's the king of, of Israel. Um, he goes up, and all of a sudden, Jeroboam shows up. And like you said, there's a history there. Jeroboam is kind of, he left, and and they tore up his garment and said, this, these 10 tribes will be yours. So there's some anticipation in his realm. How is this going to work? At the same time, you would think there'd be a part of Rehoboam that said, okay, where's the party? You know, let's get out the chariots. <laughs> let's uh, let's all do this. And what do the people come and tell him? And they're not, they don't want a party. They have, I guess, kind of a lament maybe or a request or how would you describe when they come to him and what they ask? Well, so so here's and, and again, you know, we can pick on Rehoboam, but but right. but you got to realize Rehoboam is just dealing with the problems that his father, because uh, mm-hmm. his father, and again, here's the irony in his attempt to build the temple for God. See, because you would think this is a this is a good thing. Who wouldn't want to Who wouldn't want to support the building of the temple from God? But but you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Apparently, people weren't all that crazy about building the temple for God, because they have to get slave labor from the yep. people that that they have captured, and then they even have to have uh, um, uh, they have to even force the the own Israelite people to work on it. Although, of course, they're not slaves. They they what was it? Four months out of the year, they had required service. Uh, uh, mandatory mm-hmm. service. Uh, so, and and that's what the complaint is. We're tired of this, uh, just like we are. We don't want to be paid all these taxes. We don't want to be working. You know, they, they, what is it that a third of your year is spent paying taxes? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we got the same problem now. You know, I want to work for myself. I don't want to be working to pay the government. And, and so that's what their complaint is here to, to Rehoboam. What your father did, that's not right. And, that, and you know, we're really not supposed to be doing that as Israelites. We're supposed to be free men. You know, no mandatory service. So that's the issue he has to uh, wrestle with. Is he going to continue his father's practice? Or is he going to provide some reforms here? 
And it's it's interesting. And you're exactly right. I had not put up, put that all together. Is just the frustration that they had. The temple is done, but that was a lot of work. And for some reason, we're still working. The temple's done. Yeah. What's going on here? Why why are we still <laughs> in this burden and so forth? And and so you can just imagine Rehoboam expecting a big party. There's no party. And so they have a request for him and him, uh, to be honest, trying to find a way to reconcile this and put this together. He says, I'm going to go for away for three days. Um, I'm going to seek the elders help and see what happens and then come back. So right now we're kind of feeling like, yeah, he's got some Solomon in him, right? He's got some Solomon um, uh, desire for wisdom. Uh, we would hope he goes and prays. Um, but right now it looks pretty, still looks okay. I mean, he's looking like he's trying to do what is right. So any thoughts on Rehoboam to this point and how he's reacting or his uh, situation? Oh, Brady, I tell you what, I, I so appreciate the comment you made there, uh, because, see, that's what we don't want to do. We don't want to leave this chapter and say, oh, yeah, Rehoboam, he was a wicked man. Oh, yeah, right. Jeroboam, my goodness, what a wicked— No, no, we, we need to understand that everything these men are doing is very logical, very mm-hmm. rational. In fact, if we were in the same situation, we might very well do the same things. In right. fact, that's the problem. We do the same things. And we think what we're doing is logical and rational, but it's not because it's going contrary to the will of God. But no, you, you hit it right on the head. What Rehoboam is going to do, I, I think from a political standpoint, you can argue, well, yes, I think that was a very wise, you use the word wisdom, that was a very wise decision. Mm-hmm. But but see, the, mm-hmm. the problem is, and we, I talked with you about this when we, we talked a few weeks ago, we were, they were so impressed that Solomon prayed for wisdom. But what he really should have prayed for is faith. That's mm-hmm. what he needs. Wisdom's a good thing, and God would give us wisdom, right? Seek ye first the kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. Certainly the Lord wants to give us wisdom. He was glad to give Solomon wisdom. But when you put your faith in your wisdom— Inevitably, things will go horribly wrong, and we're gonna. We, we've already seen that in Solomon, uh, for all his wisdom, he didn't couldn't see past his wives and their desire to worship their false gods. And now Rehoboam is going to make the same mistake, even though, as you allude, it it probably seemed like a wise choice. Right. Well, there was wisdom in waiting three days. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, I experienced this as a father and as a husband, and even as a son still at 41 years old, is that um, probably need to say less at the moment where I'm most anxious. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Or angry, whatever of, the emotion yeah, is. Right. Oh, I know. I want to say anxious because I don't want to admit that I get angry. Um, but anyways, it's one, <laughs> it's one of those things here where he, it, things are things are going um, um, seem to be going in a decent direction. It's a reminder, as you said about Solomon, when he asked for wisdom, was not wrong. Um, but it's a good reminder for us. And this, as you said that so well, John, is we should pray for faith. Um, yeah. This is good for us pastors to pray for. And a reminder to you, our listeners, to pray for faith. Not only, we, a lot of times we end up praying for faith for our friends and our family and our, our, our young people when they go to college, our, our young people in high school, you pray for faith, but we probably should pray for our own faith and say, Lord, um, I believe, help my unbelief is really our confession of faith. So I, that's, that's a good prayer for all of us to do. Um, so let's move on. You ready? Yep. All right. Six through 11. Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet alive, saying, How do you advise me to answer this people? And they said to him, 
If you will be a servant to this people today and serve them, and speak good words to them when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. But he abandoned the counsel of the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, What do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, Lighten the yoke that your father put on us? And the young man who had grown up with him said to him, Thus shall you speak to this people who said to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but to lighten it for us, thus you shall, say, shall you say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So uh, there was a meeting. One was uh, uh, King Rehoboam met with the retired pastors, you know, all the guys, retired emeritus <laughs> guys. And then and then he met with guys his own age, like me meeting with my brother pastors the same age as me. And what happened? How would you describe this pastor? Well, well so, so here's the thing. Everything he's doing is wise. Uh, mm-hmm. As you said, it was wise to not make an immediate decision. Uh, it was wise to consult people. That's always a good thing to consult people. And you know what particularly showed his wisdom is just what you said. He started with the old guys. (laughs) (laughs) If you really want wisdom that, like you said, yeah, talk to us old guys. Although I don't think people understand why old guys are wise. It's just because we've made all the stupid mistakes. Right, right. Well, is that? Do you remember that story when 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 the Jesus had the prostitute in the temple, and they they wanted to stone her to death, and and Jesus says, "Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone on her." And once more, Jesus bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. So, so that's why he asked the old guys because they've made the mistakes. That's mm-hmm. that's why they. They have wisdom. Uh, but you know what struck me? Man, Brady, and again, this is fun because I had not thought of this either as I was preparing this. But who doesn't he talk to? He doesn't talk to God, does he? It doesn't See, pray. that's what happens when you go, go for wisdom. You think, oh, yeah, I understand as a wise person I need to consult my advisors, the old and the young. But but when, when you're all about wisdom rather than about faith, you, you forget no, the one you really need to talk to. It is good. We're not denying that, is it, Brady? This is great advice. If you're trying to make mm-hmm. a decision, talk to people. Talk to your uh, those who are your peers. Uh, talk to those who are older. Uh, but but then you really need to turn to God and say, "Hey, hey sort help me sort this out." Because that's the problem. When you consult people, you got to get two different opinions. Was exactly what Rehoboam got. Uh, right. But instead of relying on God and faith, no Rehoboam figured, "Well, I, I I'll pick what I think is best." Uh, and the sad thing is, is he picks the, the, the way of power, not the way of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And mm-hmm. that's how the world will always choose. The world thinks power. That'll get it done, right? Let's have a riot. That will change things. Or, or just the opposite. Let, let's uh, send out uh, armed forces to suppress the riot. That will get mm-hmm. things done. Uh, and I'm not saying that sometimes we don't have to send out the armed forces. I'm not denying that. Uh, but on the other hand, if we think that's going to solve the problem, no, no, we we are sadly, sadly wrong. Uh, in fact, I don't know, maybe the world is not capable of solving the problem. Maybe only the church can. Because uh, right. only the church can talk to people about forgiveness and, and uh, mercy and treating people with love uh, rather than worrying about what your rights are. 
Uh, well, anyway. Those, I mean, those are good thoughts, uh, Pastor, because as we look at this, you like you said, you get different opinions. And the first opinion, if I can give kind of a summary here, is yeah. uh, if you will have mercy upon them, they'll be your servants forever, um, yeah. which is good advice. And then the other one, the other one, I'm a little bit, I want to get your thoughts on this, is like uh, their, their yoke is heavy, but you better make it heavier and get this little line. My little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. I tried to look that up. I didn't get a good answer for it. What is what does that mean? I didn't really fully understand that one. Can you enlighten us? Okay, well, I, I I need to go back to something you said earlier though because okay. this is well you, you talked about the, the advice was be a servant to your people and serve mm-hmm. them. Now now see that's you talked about having your Jesus goggles on. That that's straight Jesus, isn't it? Right, yeah, what Jesus right. told his disciples, mm-hmm. he said, you, you know, if you want to be great, if you want to be number one, then you need to be servant of all. That's what you need to do. That's how you get great. Uh, uh, and, and that, of course, would be the wisdom that Solomon should have known and, and Rehoboam should have known. So so thank you for, for pointing that out, that this mm-hmm. is exactly, that's what was good about the advice. It agreed with what God has taught, that we're ah, here to serve yes. people, not to be served. In fact, Jesus Christ says that, right? I didn't come, even the Son of Man, the Almighty God didn't come to be served, but to serve. Uh, but now this whole business about the uh, the, the little finger, uh, um <laughs> <laughs> well, so those are all images of power, uh, okay. uh, and and to have, to have, have a th- a thick thighs is to have big, powerful legs. Uh, you look at a runner, and you know they're runners because they have these mm. big. Par- are, 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 we're cyclists, but we don't have big thighs. <laughs> but those that do, you can see the muscles. You can see muscles rippling in their legs. Now, on the other hand, your your little finger. Oh, that's pretty weak, right? Right. <laughs> you know, right. Uh, we don't even thumb, you don't little finger wrestle, you thumb wrestle. Because even amongst that's fingers, right. the little finger is the weakest finger you've got. And and that's what he's saying. He said, you know, you can take the weakest part of my rule, and it's going to be even stronger and greater than my father's rule. And you know how great his rule was, you know. Uh, but of course, see, that's exactly the opposite of what, uh, the Bible would tell us to do. It's not about forcing people. That's not how you accomplish things in the way of God. We, we want people to do what God wants willingly, not because they're, they're forced to do it. I'm going to tell this little story as we look at this. There once was a pastor who was asked by one of his members, so what do you do when you prepare your sermon? And the pastor went down the whole deal, what he did, um, that he would look at the Greek, that he would read it as soon as he could at the beginning of the of the week. Uh, he would look at commentaries. He would read Luther. He would read the confessions. He would go through the whole list, use some resources from Cordia Publishing House and go through all that and saying and then told the member, you know, by the time I get to Sunday morning, I've spent this many hours upon it. And then and then the member said to him, so do you pray at all? And I thought that was a great, a great response that we're hearing here as well is, yes, you should do all those things when you prepare a sermon. Yes, as a king, you need to talk to these individuals. Um, But where is the prayer? Um, uh, Because uh, where is it? I mean, it's just not there in our text today. So that's something I want to touch on when we get to the other end of our break. But right now, we need to take our break. We are citing First Kings chapter 12 with Pastor John Lekomsky, and we'll be right back.
Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Smith, host of Concord Matters, where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. Join us as we read through the Book of Concord and look at confessional topics as learned guests and lively discussion will lead us to appreciate how the treasures of the Lutheran confessions apply in the 21st century as much as they did in the 16th. So join us every Saturday at 10 a.m. Central on KFUO Radio or on demand through the Concord Matters podcast. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church. Our listeners and supporters are talking about Worldwide KFUO. Yeah, I think your programming is just wonderful. I love the emphasis on the traditional tunes rather than the modern music. Keep up the good work. Thank you. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. That's 314-996-1542. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Worldwide KFUO. You hear our voices every day as we speak the gospel, share the latest news, or for insightful and sometimes entertaining talk. Why not share your voice with us and send us your feedback, suggestions, and questions? Leave your comment at 314-996-1542. Be sure to follow us on social media, too, so you can like, comment, and share your favorite posts. Drop an email to KFUO at KFUO.org or send a snail mail letter to Worldwide KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. And welcome back. We are studying First Kings with Pastor John Lekomsky, and we have gotten through verse 11. And I wanted to make one highlight as we look at this is my finger is my little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. Obviously, he's talking about strength and power and the sword that he needs to use. Obviously, he needs to use the sword as a king, but he's using it for the sake of don't mess with me without any mention of God. And one of the last things he says, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Pastor, it says, my father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. Um, did you read anything on that uh, portion of uh, of these verses? Are we there? I think we lost Pastor John. This is the first time I've ever lost Pastor hey, oh, John. I'm here. I'm there here. you are. I'm here, Brady. Okay. I'm sorry. I was gonna say, turn this on is your mic, first. Brady. <laughs> How many years have I been doing radio, Brady? You got to turn on your mic. (laughs) Evidently. So have you had you looked at anything with the uh, scorpion talk? Yes. So what I was saying with my mic off, <laughs> I will say with my mic on, uh, yeah, scorpions, scorpions there is is the uh, uh, the whips, the kind of whips they used to beat Jesus with, you know, would have this long, many strands, and at the end of the strands, they'd have pieces of stone or iron or something, uh, mm. so that it, you just weren't whipped with a whip, but the stones would tear your flesh up, uh, and, and that's the idea. Uh, hmm. So you know Solomon just used an ordinary whip, but he's going to use this this scorpion whip, which is uh, even worse. And again, putting on your Jesus goggles again. That's how they whipped Jesus. That's the instrument they used on him. Um, so yeah, he's going to make it even worse than what it was ever made uh, by Solomon. Well, um, yeah, that that's that's the thing. And, and you know what? As, as we took the break. I I had another thought, too. You know what God really liked about Solomon's prayer for wisdom? It wasn't that he prayed for wisdom. It was that he prayed for wisdom so he could better serve his people. Uh, See, that's what pleased God. 
And and that's the mistake that Jeroboam and Rehoboam are making. That they think it's wisdom for their sake, like you said, it's power for their sake, and and that's where everything's going to go horribly wrong. Uh, power is never given us for our sake; it's always given us so that we might serve others. Um, and and you can see that here. No, we, you don't need. We need discipline, but we don't need to make the discipline worse because discipline again simply. Uh, makes people ready to to receive uh, the forgiveness and mercy. Uh, that's that's what it is with God too. God disciplines us, but not because he 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 wants to show how powerful he is. I am God. I'm in control. No, he disciplines us because he loves us, the Bible says, so that he can restore us and forgive us. That is a those are wonderful connections, ones that I I was so focused on, okay, the division of the kingdom and and everything else to think about the idea of mercy, not sacrifice kind of language that Jesus uses um, for us to remember the gifts that God has given to me is not for the sake of my own paycheck or my own glory, even though we do that to provide, but also for the sake of our neighbor. How can we use these gifts that God's given to us for the sake of our neighbor? So we're going to have to keep moving on because there's a lot we still have to get through here. But to this point, it's just advice. So he hasn't even spoken yet (laughs) these words. So let's get to the third day. Once again, verses 12 through 15. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day as the king said, come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people harshly and forsaking the counsel that the old man had given him, He spoke to them according to the counsel of the young man, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord, that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord spoke to Ahijah and the Shilonite, to Jeroboam, the son of Naboth. Okay, so how did he speak? So he so he speaks harshly, uh, and, and it's interesting that the author here uh, comments again that the problem was he didn't listen to the people. Now, now we've got yet another dynamic that I hadn't thought of before. So, yeah. so if you need to make a decision, you, you need to seek advice, right? We talked about that. Seek it mm-hmm. from peers. Seek it from older men. Uh, you certainly need to pray to God. That's what's messing here. But you see, when you fail to pray to God, then you also leave out the most important person, which is who it is that your decision is going to affect, See, right. and maybe you need to talk to them, and maybe you need to listen to them, but but I would argue that's the result of faith. That's the result of praying to God. If you pray to God, I'm, I'm sure the first thing God's going to show you in His Word is you need to listen to the people who you care about, because that's what God does, doesn't He? Doesn't God invite us to pray to Him daily? He wants to hear from us, and He does. He does listen to us. See, and that's the big failure here. He does listen. And, and, you know, he's taken the place of God. I, I hope everybody understands that. Uh, the king now is taking the place of God amongst his people. And, of course, this will have complete fulfillment with the arrival of King Jesus, who literally is God taking his place amongst the people. But if you're going to be God amongst the people, the chief thing you have to do is you have to listen to them. Listen to them very, very closely. But the text says he doesn't. But isn't it, isn't, it, isn't it interesting, Brady, that this is actually a punishment that he doesn't mm-hmm. listen to them? Because that's what it says. This turn of affairs was brought about by the Lord, right. that he might fulfill his word. 
Uh, this is the consequence of the fact that Rehoboam didn't trust in God, didn't worship God, didn't pray to God. Uh, I'm not blaming God for it. I mean, ultimately, it's the the, the sinfulness of of uh, Rehoboam. Um, but it is the Lord who's letting this happen. Um, and, and he shows <clears throat> this is where God fulfilling his prophecies is something yeah. you don't really like. Because here he was, yeah. you know, with Ahijah and, and Jeroboam and rips up the garment and says, by the way, these ten will be yours. And you kind of hope that somehow that does not get fulfilled. But here we see it unfolding, unfortunately, because of, like you said, the sin that is in the world. And what he said is true is true. And and it happened. And w- what is going to happen is, is the next piece that we look at and we grieve. I mean, there's a certain amount of grief because although there probably was a lot of discontent, uh, there's a lot of discontentment. I mean, people came saying, because you would think Solomon was this great king and everyone loved him and they bowed to his feet. Well, not really. They went to his son and said, by the way, this has been very rough. This is not what we wanted. This was not perfect. And so there was discontentment, but they were still united as a nation. And you would hope that they could stay that way. But sadly, it didn't happen that way. So last thoughts. When we look at the first 15 verses before we move on to see a final division. So, so let me make a practical application. Sure. Uh, what's happening here is the consequence of what Solomon said earlier, that, that everyone sins. Everyone sins. Mm-hmm. And and I, I remember what Luther said about the Lord's Supper. Uh, Luther said, you know, we all need to take the Lord's Supper because we're sinners. And if you don't think you're a sinner, you know, and certainly we aren't as bad as sinners as other people. You and me, Brady, we're pastors. <laughs> Right. But 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 Luther said you ought to take your hand and stick it inside your cloak and see if you're still made of flesh. Mm-hmm. And if you are, then you are a sinner and you do need forgiveness. And, and that's the point that's being made here. See, Rehoboam didn't think he was a sinner, did he? Rehoboam thought, no, I'm a very powerful king. I can do what I want to do. Uh, and yet if he'd simply listened to the word of the Lord, the word of his father, he would have mm-hmm. known, nope, nope, I'm a sinful man. I can certainly make bad decisions. I need to listen to my people. I need to listen to the Lord. Uh, but no, no, he didn't do that. And and God, God prevent us, keep us from doing that. That's the whole point. We can fall too. If you think you stand, you can fall. That's what Paul said in Corinthians. So let us understand we can fall. Okay. And let us then always turn to the Lord in prayer as sinners. As sinners that's what we are. And that's why we turn to him. And now you're right. Now the whole thing is going to just fall apart. Now, at this point, Israel represents 12 tribes. I, I want to break this down really simply and to get yeah. your, uh, just make sure we're on the same page. So there's 12 tribes who are the sons of, of, of Israel, right? And they were spread yeah. all throughout the Middle East, around the Dead Sea and up to the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River. Um, and so how does this relate here, 10 to 12 to 2 to 1? I mean, how does this all fit? Um, where I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of how to explain this correctly. For example, do you know all 12 tribes right off the top of your head, Pastor? No. <laughs> That's, <laughs> now, good my wife would, That's good to know. If you want me to call Lynn up here, she knows all 12 of them. Yes. <laughs> Because I one of the the head scratcher for me as I look through everything is trying to determine how this all fits because you have a reality that in some ways there's thirteen um, because Levi oh, yeah. is yeah. on its own right Levi doesn't have its own land and then you have Manasseh and Ephraim which often are seen as the uh, um, the the tribe of Joseph 
can be put together as yes. well. So my my head is kind of scratching here as we looked at this. So any thoughts on kind of that confusion of of what what was before it all fell apart? Any thoughts? Well, I, I, and all this lays in, in what's going to happen because we we like to think of them being a unity. Uh, but they really were in a unity. They, there was a constant fighting and division. Uh, and of course, when David became king, th- th- there was a unity for a while. In fact, it's interesting that, that the, the uh, 10 tribes from the north actually came and said, hey, we want David. We, 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 we advocated for him even before you of his own tribe of Judah advocated for him, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now as time has gone on, that that's kind of changed. And the old divisions... Uh, and um, you can see why there were divisions. Why should it be David? Why should it be Judah? Why should it be Jerusalem? You know, it wasn't. It wasn't historically. Uh, no, it was Ephraim. Uh, you know, I mean, after right. all, who, who, where did uh, Joshua come from? He wasn't from Judah. He he was from Ephraim. So they, they ought to be the leaders. Or, or like you said, the, these other people, they have every right to claim uh, to be in power and in control. Um, so yeah, all of this division has been there all along and, and by the grace of God, they had had a unity. See, cause that's, that's what brought them together. Uh, their, their tribalism would never bring them together as tribes. They constantly fought amongst each other, but in their unity and belief in God, that's what made them one. But now see, they've lost that unity because they're not worshiping God alone. They've got all these other gods. Uh, and we're going to see that as we see the things that uh, Jeroboam does. And what I would does suggest that answer for our the list, question? Or? It, it does. Yeah. It, it really does because it's it it shows that there's a confusion even with you'd say, hey, twelve tribes. This is easy. They had that part. They had this part. Levites didn't have any land. Um, the sacrifices went to the Levites. Uh, uh, Manasseh was there. Benjamin was kind of the the main place, but Judah gets everything. And and it's, it's very confusing as you look through it. So I encourage our listeners to look up either in your uh, study Bibles or whatever it might be to see where the twelve tribes were, to see how they separate after this between Judah and Israel, because it can say all of Israel, what does that mean? Um, all of Judah, what does that mean? Who is king of this? What are the 10 tribes? It can be very confusing, but for our purposes today, we're looking at it and saying they became divided who was once one. Makes us realize as Americans, if all of a sudden 20 states said, no, we're going to become our own country, although maybe we don't want some of those states part of our country. I'm not I'm not suggesting anything on that, but we still would grieve because you no longer are the United States of America. You are separated into two. And that that's a time of grief. And that's what we're going to see here today. So versus go ahead, keep going. Well, just real quick. So, so wearing the Jesus goggles, though, what we have to see is ah. that really only one tribe matters. I, I think you could argue that all Israel has not existed for a long time, because those upper tribes will be destroyed, and they're never they're never reinstituted. We we never get those tribes again. They're gone. True. Yeah. But the tribe of Judah, for some strange reason, keeps. Existence. It it just can't be destroyed. It just keeps coming back. And of course, as Christians, we understand why that is because there was really only one uh, tribe that was important, and that is the tribe through whom the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, would come. Uh, everybody mm-hmm. else was expendable. We don't need all Israel, but we certainly do need uh, the uh, Son of David. That we have to have, and we have. We have that. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Let's let's move on. Verses 16. We'll go all the way through 24. 
And when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, look now to your own house, David. So Israel went to their tents. But Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah. Then King Rehoboam sent at Adoram, who was a taskmaster over the forced labor and all Israel, stoned him to death with stones. And King Rehoboam hurried to mount his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. And when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had returned, they sent and called him to the assembly and made him king over all Israel. And there was none that followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah only. When Rehoboam came to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, 180,000 chosen warriors to fight against the house of Israel, to restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. But the word of God came to Shemaiah and the man of, the man of God. Say to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all the house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the rest of the people, thus says the Lord, you shall not go up or fight against your relatives, the people of Israel. Every man return to his home, for this thing is from me. So they listened to the word of the Lord and went home again, according to the word of God. So everything became divided. It's kind of actually it's kind of simplistic language here for something very, very complex. How would you pull this together as you describe it to people? So, so here's the, the, the thought that I had just as you were reading through this that had not occurred to me before. You know, we were taking Rehoboam to task for not uh, praying to God. And, and now I realize we've got even more reason to take him to task because there were, there were prophets. There were men of God, uh, men of mm, the Lord, mm-hmm. it says here, that he could have consulted. And, and he didn't. He didn't. Con- isn't that something? I never thought about that before. So the men of God, the, the, the spokesman of God, he never bothers to consult. Uh, but now, of course, thank God, <laughs> Shemaiah, the man of God, does come forth and does give him advice. And, of course, the good thing here is that he finally does listen to, to right. the word of the Lord and, and averts what could have been an even greater disaster. Like you say, it's a tragedy that 10 of the tribes are gone. And the sad thing is they really are gone. They, they never will be restored again. This is a total loss of those tribes. Uh, but at least, at least he's now listening to the word of the Lord. But I got to thinking, you think maybe, Brady, the reason he didn't consult these men of God was because he didn't want to hear what they probably would say? <laughs> that, you know, Rehoboam, you, you know why you got problems? Because you're worshiping all these false idols. You're mm-hmm. not worshiping the true God. Uh, so maybe he purposely avoided them because he knew what they would tell him. And don't we do that too, right? We don't Absolutely. We talk to our pastor because we know what he's going to say to us. Yeah. Yeah, he's not gonna he's not gonna agree with me. So we we'll go to those yeah. who will agree with yeah. me. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and this is uh, and it, it's very fascinating to hear. Of uh, it seems like just a real simple thing. Like, well, that didn't work. So therefore, ten tribes are going with <laughs> Jeroboam, yeah. and the two tribes, or what we can count correctly, it's supposed to be two tribes, but it only says Judah. Would we include yeah. Benjamin in that, or how would you describe that? 
Yeah, well, it, it, my, it says, say to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and all the house of Judah and Benjamin. So yeah, mm -hmm. you got Benjamin included in there as well, right? And Benjamin, gotcha. you know, that tribe was right down there. That was a smaller uh, portion, and it was right connected uh, directly with Judah. Yeah, and it has neighbors. Jerusalem and Jericho in it, and so forth. So it yeah, yeah. it definitely is, like you said, in that lineage of, of of David, and and a very important piece. So you have ten tribes are in the northern kingdom, and you have the southern kingdom of Judah and Benjamin. That's how they're separated. Uh, now you know there's going to be a, a long and complicated life of trying to figure out trade routes and figure out who is who and what do we do with the Assyrians and the Babylonians. I mean, it's a disaster in so many ways. But ultimately. Um, Finally, they listen to the Lord that, you know what, you might not agree, but let's not destroy each other um, because, after all, you are still all family. So, last thoughts on these verses? Nope, nope. I, I think we'll press on if you're ready. Good. Let's do it. Uh, now we get to, uh, unfortunately, some golden calves. It comes back to us. <laughs> you think it was over <laughs> in Exodus, but it's not. We'll read these verses 25 through 29. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. And he went out from there and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom will turn back to the house of David. If this people go up after our, uh, to offer sacrifices in the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of his people will turn again to their Lord, to Rehoboam, the king of Judah. And they will kill me and return to Rehoboam, king of Judah." So the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. And he said to the people, you have gone up to Jerusalem long enough. Behold your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel and the other he put in Dan. So Jeroboam is, is no dummy. I mean, he knows that if they go back to Jerusalem, worship the one true God in the nice looking temple, they might repent and turn back to the Lord. So what does he do? So, so, and and that's the thing I want to emphasize. What he does here, actually, if you want to talk about wisdom, I think this was a very wise thing that he did. Right, right. Uh, you're right. We don't want him going down and worshiping in Jerusalem. So we'll set up our own temples here. Uh, and, and actually, the location that he chooses, that's a good location there in Shiloh. Because, yep, you know, the Ark, the Ark was in Shiloh for a while. Yep. So why shouldn't the temple be in Shiloh? Of course, you've got, you've got one temple at the very southern part of the Ten Tribes. The other temple, uh, that, that, uh, that is the very northern part uh, mm -hmm. of, the, of the tribe. So it makes it convenient, easier for people to get to either one of them. Uh, and, and you know what? I never realized before until I prepared this. There is no absolute commandment from God to build a temple in Jerusalem. Right. Now, I may be wrong, Brady, and I'll, I'll, to our listeners too, but I searched in the Bible, and it's not like the, the tabernacle where you got God coming and saying, I want you to build this, and here's the details. No, this is all David's plan fulfilled by Solomon. God obviously, he, 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 you know, he okays it. He gives it the thumbs up because his glory goes into the temple when they dedicate it. But there's no command that, that says explicitly you should build this. And so I can see Jeroboam say, well, no, that, that's just a political move that David did. Can't you see that? That's what he was trying to solidify his power. That was just all politics. And now we're going to do things up here. So, yeah, it, it, everything he does is very, very wise. In fact, here's the other thing that tickles me. So we would see those golden calves and say, well, that's horrible. But but mm -hmm. but he's thinking, well, remember, we were slaves in Egypt and we had a golden calf and we worshipped it. So you used to be slaves to Solomon.
Solomon. Now we're going to have two golden calves to celebrate our freedom from slavery in Solomon. Of mm. course, he's totally misinterpreting the scripture, isn't he? <laughs> Absolutely. That wasn't what the golden calf was all about. But don't we do it, that with the Bible? Don't we pick out verses and stories and make them fit whatever uh, our opinion is, even though maybe what those stories and verses teach is the opposite of our opinion? So it's just uh, it's just tickles me, because this is exactly what we do with the Scripture today. And we think we are so logical and so rational. Uh, and, of course, we're doing just the opposite of what the Lord has called us to do. So let's finish our verses and we can talk further about what he does. Verses 30 through 33, we have about four minutes left. Then this thing became a sin. For the people went as far as Dan to be to be before one. And he made temples in the high places and appointed priests from among all the people who were not of the Levites. And Jeroboam appointed a feast on the 15th day of the eighth month, like a feast that was in Judah. And he offered sacrifices on the altar. So he did in Bethel sacrifice in the calves that he made. And he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places that he made. He went up to the altar that he made in Bethel on the 15th day of the eighth month, in the month that he had devised from his own heart. And he instituted a feast for the people of Israel and went up to the altar to make offerings. So once again, as we've seen today, it goes from from bad to worse to worser, if I can say it that way, <laughs> or the worst situation possible. Because okay, here's two golden calves. You know, this is the, this is the gods that that brought you out of Egypt. Okay, well that doesn't sound right, but okay. And then it went on, and the main word throughout the rest of those verses was says the ones that he made, that he appointed, that he 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 did. So obviously the focus is not on those gods even. They're on uh, Jeroboam the whole time. Last thoughts on these last few verses. Yeah, and isn't that the striking thing? It's he made this. Uh, he he instituted this. Uh, it was what he devised from his own heart. Yeah, see, none of it had anything to do with what the, the word of the Lord wanted. It was entirely focused on himself, which, by the way, was the same thing that Rehoboam did. <laughs> okay. Right. But like you say, now it's just worse, because now we're not listening to the word of the Lord at all. But here's what's really, really tragic. God made to Jeroboam the same promise he made to David. That's what struck me. If you go back into the, the chapter 11, he makes the same promise. He says, Jeroboam, I'm going to give you these 10 tribes. They will be yours. Your kingdom will exist uh, and go on and continue. All you got to do is just uh, heed my words, obey my commandments, listen to my word and follow what I give you. Uh, and, and I think what's going to be really neat tomorrow is God doesn't give up. I would give up. Wouldn't you give up on Jeroboam and say, well, my goodness, how evil, how wrong can you be? You, you've turned the whole focus on yourself, and yet, yet he will send a man to Jeroboam hoping that he'll repent. Uh, of course he won't, but but I mean, that's just the kind of God we have. He He never stops seeking us and trying to move us to turn to him. And that's remarkable for a guy like Jeroboam, I think. Yeah. Well, and it's very fascinating when you say that and go back to chapter 11, because Solomon wanted to get rid of Jeroboam because he, yeah. not only for power reasons, but also because this was a promise that God gave to him. So it, yeah. it's something that they definitely, yeah, like you said, Jer sometimes I, I thought about Jeroboam more fleeing um, and therefore didn't really know the Lord, but he did. And he knew the promises, but yet he wanted the power. He wanted to make sure they didn't go and repent, that they stayed under him. And so he created more and more and more to try to keep that power, almost like a dictator of sorts. 
Um, and, and, and this is why Luther says that as Christians, to be a Christian is to repent daily. Because mm-hmm. we're all going to turn to idols. We all are. There's all things in our lives that we're going to put our trust and hope in. Uh, and, and when we do that, it's going to end badly because these things cannot save us. They cannot provide for us the things we need. But again, the point is then we'll say, oh, that's right. I need to pray to you. I need to turn to you. I need to listen to your word, O Lord, because you are a gracious and merciful God. Yeah. And you will always be that way to me, even though I've wandered away from you. So last 30 seconds here, Pastor, how would you summarize this and how it applies to us today? Well, I, 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 I think I just said that, that as, as Paul tells us, if you think you stand, you better be careful because you're going to fall. And that's why all of these stories are recorded. But again, you know, he, he, Paul goes on to remind us that when we fall, it's the Lord who wants to lift us up and restore us. and He's right there ready to do so. So for all of us who are going to sin today, may God forgive us and, and lift us back up uh, in faith to him. Because your your pinky finger is not bigger than the Lord's thigh. How about that? <laughs> Pastor, <laughs> <That's> Pastor, <right. laughs> Pastor John Lekomsky is co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO, giving us strength by God's word. Pastor Lekomsky, thank you again for being our guest. Thank you, Brady. It's fun. Saints of our Lord, the kingdom is divided, and we see division in our own world. And we know that due to our sin, we are divided from God the Father. But for a while we were still weak. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly and he died for you. We cling to his power because he is our bridge and he unites us back to one another and more importantly to the Lord. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And may he keep you safe in the palm of his hands. <laughs>